Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hello, Duncan. Hi, Vicki. How's it going today? It's great. How about you? Having a pretty good day. Good. Yeah. Glad to be here. Second video recorded episode. Pretty big news. Live. Live. So any sounds in the background are legitimate kids. They're real live. The real live ones. Hopefully, Children. hopefully they, um, they're happy sounds. Yeah. Yeah. We have some good counselors, so. We do. Personality <laughs> disorders. Let's do it. Excited. It's one of my favorite topics. Where do you want to start? With your own or <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I thought we'd start with yours, oh, actually. Great. It's the best one. Uh, I'm thinking about the parents who come in, often the kids. <laughs> parents. The parents. Not their personality disorders, although we'll leave that. Um, kids who come in and say, I was just diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It's a big one nowadays, you hear. We hear that. Kids have looked it up. TikTok therapy, TikTok diagnosis, they call it. Um, we have parents who come in and say they want to diagnose my daughter with borderline personality disorder, but she's too young. young. Um, we have parents who come in and say my son has no remorse. And occasionally that's true. Almost always it's not true. But that would be, you know, antisocial personality disorder. What? I how would you define for our listeners today? What is a personality disorder? <sighs> Personality disorder. Um, it is a fixed pattern of constrained responses to stress. So it's an inability to be flexible, and it's a particular uh, vantage point which causes problems for people. Okay. Can you do that more succinctly, please? No, I really liked how you said that. Thank you. I was actually really surprised with which is that i actually did okay yeah that yeah how you were yeah i don't know where I that came from, we should have googled good. this before we did this episode <laughs> we should have checked tiktok um <laughs> what about the piece that we talk a lot about like the the difference between axis one and axis two i think that can be helpful i think axis one and axis two were taken out of dsm five whatever yeah. that is <clears throat> but what we're talking about is um differences between biological problems uh depression bipolar disorder schizophrenia certain anxiety disorders. And I see the personality disorders as problems of immaturity. Like a fixed state of, almost of, like a fixed in your developmental pattern yes. somewhere. So you think of every baby. So there are a number of different personality disorders to clarify. Um, I'm going to read a list. Great. According to the DSM here. So for personality disorders, we have a, which are, in med school we learned these are called the weirds. Okay. Uh, it's a way to remember these things. It's paranoid personality disorder, schizoid personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder. You have B, uh, cluster B, which are the wilds. Have you heard this before? Weird yeah. wilds and wimps? Yep. Yep. Uh, antisocial personality disorder. These are the real wild ones. 
that's why they're called wilds. Borderline <laughs> personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. And then you have C, the wimps, avoidant personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. We don't need the notes anymore, right? Just for our audience to know, in, in counseling school, we do not classify them with such labels. <laughs> Weirds, wilds, and whips. <laughs> no, we don't. We'll leave that to the docs. That's who may colleagues. have a higher rate of narcissistic personality. We absolutely do. <laughs> um, every baby is born with narcissistic personality disorder. I know, but they're so cute. You know, they are cute, which is the only reason we keep why them around. Put it, yeah, why we right? put up with it because uh, they're the center of the universe, and they yep. really are the center yeah. of all the universes. So, if you did not outgrow infancy, you would be in, from a Psychological point of view, you'd be narcissistic. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm not sure. I didn't sleep very much. My narcissistic <laughs> child at home was up all night demanding attention. Exactly. You have three of them. Yeah. Are they different stages? Yeah, definitely. So borderline personality disorder looks more like a three or four year old who um, plays mom off against dad. Splitting. Who says... I hate you when the parent upsets them, tries to manipulate you by saying, um, what would they say? A, a, a kid. Um, I had a son who used to say, I'm going to throw you in the trash when he was angry at me. Um, like these <laughs> really wild ways to try to manipulate you by threats of various ways. Um, I'm going to throw you in the trash. We should bring that one. I should bring him in for work. a guest appearance. Yeah. Um, what else? Borderline sort of makes a resurgence, it seems to me, in, in teenagehood. Um, you have dependent personality disorder, which is a kid who doesn't outgrow, or doesn't leave the womb, sort of. Mm. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I see them as being stuck in certain developmental stages and not outgrowing them. I think the rigid piece of it is really important to understand. There's a rigid aspect to how people operate. Right. And another important piece is that, is it egocentric? They're not. Yeah. So, um, or dystonic. I always forget which one is which, but. Syntonic. Syntonic. It's when you don't have, you don't really see a problem with your behavior. Right. Whereas oftentimes a person will come into therapy and say, you know, hello, like I need help. I'm really having a lot of depression and I don't like it. I will, you know, can you please help me with it? But then often there might be another. So if there's a personality disorder going on, they're often not upset with the things that others are upset about in their life. They see the problem as something different. It's usually not them. It's usually someone outside of the self. world. The yeah. world. The world is not bowing to my needs, yep. which is the immaturity piece. It's not taking responsibility. It's yep. not taking ownership. Um, so egocentric, meaning it feels right to you versus egodystonic, where you may do all these same things. But you feel terrible about it. It feels right. like you feels like it's a problem within you. Right. When you do something that isn't so healthy or balanced, you feel upset by it, which is a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah. So a nice example of that's obsessive compulsive personality mm. disorder, which looks like the person who needs everything exactly ordered. Yeah. And they get really angry when other people don't do it. Um, it's it's a. Um, 
Yeah, it's a it's a fixed pattern that people don't modify. It's it's right. a um, rigidness. And different from OCD in the sense of um, there's a bunch of differences, but one of the main ones is that often you're bothered by a lot of the things that you compulsively do if you have OCD. Exactly. And it's not like, well, Duncan's fault, like just get, in my, get out of my way, let me do this, or you're ruining my patterns. Right. They usually don't feel like they want to keep doing that. So that's, yeah, obsessive compulsive disorder versus obsessive compulsive personality disorder. And they can look the same on the outside, people arranging things, checking things, but on the inside, it, it's different. Yeah. Right? Yep. And often, too, fundamentally, I think a lot of relationships, when there's a personality disorder, suffer tremendously. Uh, mental health issues constrain relationships, but I think there's a different quality often of relationships when there is a personality disorder because it can, the relationship is usually very limited, because there's not a lot of personal insight into what's creating the conflict or tension and willingness to work on it. Right. And so that can be a tough category of um, diagnoses to treat because oftentimes people don't have a problem with what's going on in their life. They don't actually want to show up and say, hey, although increasingly we're seeing it because of awareness, I think, or even false diagnosis, um, is people saying, oh, I have, you know, such and such personality disorder. Can you help me with it? But I think, um, you're less likely to seek therapy. Your spouse might seek it for you. Your parent might seek it for you. Yep. Yep. Or like wonder what's going on here. So a big one that you started with borderline personality disorder. What are the main symptoms that, you know, like the one I always right away look for is um, extreme fear of abandonment. Totally. Often you see cutting, so self-harm. Yep. Um, that's the big one. That's, um, to me, it's, and this is, you see in a three or a four-year-old, and you see it again a lot in teenagers. Yep. Um, and then the whole idea is people outgrow them, which is one thing I think the DSM gets right, which is, not diagnosing personality disorders before a certain age. And it's very yeah. arbitrary to say age 18 is when you can start having personality disorders. But you have to give somebody time, time. to outgrow it. Right. right. And if you don't outgrow it and you're 30 and doing the same things, that's a personality disorder. If right. you're 14, it's different. Yep. And we often will say maybe borderline personality traits. There are some concerns that we see that if we don't help balance this out, that it could you know, turn into borderline personality. Totally agree. I, I don't like the whole idea of disorder. Um, I like the traits. A disorder suggests that it's an illness. It suggests that it's in the same category as major depression or bipolar disorder. It suggests that there's a one treatment for it. It sometimes suggests there's a med for it, which right. there isn't. Although meds can be helpful sometimes. Yep. Um, what is your experience with that? With meds, like what, like say borderline personality, what often is helpful? Um, people who have borderline traits um, often have associated mood instability, so fluctuating mood. They often end up depressed because it's difficult to live in a life where you're so afraid of abandonment. Um, those are the main ones. And... It, if it gets to a certain level, you can treat those with mood stabilizers and antidepressants. So, like anything else, it's treating symptoms. Right. It's not treating borderline personality disorder. Back um, to psychiatry 101. 
back to psychiatry. An episode on that. And I was going to say, in terms of the best definition for borderline personality disorder, I agree. It's it's fear of abandonment, and the actual disorder, the symptoms are frantic attempts to avoid that. Right. And that looks like ultimatums. If you don't prove you love me, if you don't respond to my text, um, if you don't come over right now, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to cut myself and I'm going to show you how much I'm hurting. Um, it's really pathological ways of communicating unhappiness about a relationship. Right, right. And then learning skills for emotional regulation can be really central to the treatment. DBT, Marshall on a hands approach is usually what people recommend right. for borderline. Um, I think that working with kids over the years in our program with kids who have traits of borderline personality disorder, I think the way that we work with kids have been tremendously helpful because a lot of what we're focusing on are social skills and, um, self care and emotional regulation skills. And oftentimes they get so emotionally dysregulated because if you feel like you're being abandoned, I mean, that's pretty extreme feeling, right? Like the thought that if you leave me, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to survive. So you can see how it leads to feelings that are so intense that can dysregulate. And so, um, we've had some good success over the years when parents come in, you know, really concerned about the diagnosis. I think it's important to know too, that there are things out there that can help. You're not just, you know, you don't have a life sentence necessarily. Although I think for a long time, people maybe have felt that way about personality disorders. Some of them might still, some people might still feel that way about some of them, but I think especially with borderline personality disorders come a long way, even in the past 10 years of working in the field myself, that people's attitudes towards it and understanding of it is evolving, which I think is really helpful. We should do a whole segment or couple on borderline in, in particular. Yeah. Um, like some of the other personality disorders, quote unquote, it's a way also of labeling somebody a, a jerk, mm. um, particularly a female. They use it a lot with borderlines. They'll, you know, any patient who's difficult on the inpatient they unit, put that automatically label. borderline. Um, yep. I don't know how often you've heard this, but I've heard therapists and psychiatrists call their spouses that. <laughs> I, because I think they have the knowledge of the term. And so it's easy to label, to write somebody off when they're difficult as being borderline. Wow. I haven't heard that. Yeah. But. Well, yeah, have you talked to Paul recently? Yeah. <laughs> Is he saying that a lot about me when I'm not around? <laughs> um, as far as the other ones go, the sort of the weirds, the schizotypal, the schizoid, paranoid. I think the schizotypal and the schizoid are more biological for the most part, and they're even perhaps mild versions of schizophrenia, some of them. Um, paranoid personality disorder, somebody who always thinks conspiracies, that kind of thing, can come from childhood. A lot of these come from childhood, right? Mm -hmm. You grow up in a place you can't trust. Yep. Borderline personality disorder, uh, how you're raised has a lot to do with it, whether or not you have consistent love, whether... Trauma and attachment styles. Trauma. Yep. Um, yeah, so I think... By and large, most people agree that most of the personality disorders are made, not, you know, given or you're yeah. not born with them. What would you tell a parent who comes in worried that their kids have a personality disorder or their child? We get that a lot, right? And usually the, the talk about most of them being problems of immaturity 
and handling conflict. I mean, this is when people say coping skills, they're talking about learning to cope with, with problems in healthier ways. And yeah. this is the personality disorder problem. Right. So how to cope. the plan is to outgrow it. <laughs> yep. And so as a parent, how can you support that in your child, looking at different ways that you yourself can role model more balanced uh, relationship? How can you not be emotionally dismissive, but connective, not enabling, not punitive? Yeah, so there's things parents can do to help. And then obviously getting your kids in younger rather than later is important too. In your work, because you do individual therapy and family therapy. Yeah. What's been your experience working with? Do you see it a lot? Do you have questions about it? You know, do parents ask? And I see it more in people who talk about their spouses. I think... Uh, <laughs> Like you said, See, the I, that's exactly what I said. Right, right. Um, but I think like the coming to, and they might not even know what they're describing, right? But like you see a pattern that they're describing in a spouse. And so they're not necessarily the one seeking treatment. Although I do get more borderline person, like, you know, high borderline personality disorder can, you know, someone said that I have this, can you help me? Right. Um, but I see it even more when the partner is describing behaviors and obviously I can't diagnose someone just from what your spouse says, but that would be the spot that like right away I think of, um, because I think oftentimes too, again, there's that part of maybe not thinking you need to change anything or not ready to change things right. on their partner's behalf. And so they're the ones coming to therapy, trying to get assistance and figuring things out. So I see it a lot more there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think in kids, like I don't necessarily even go there very often. We just work on the traits versus habits, um, right? Person. Yeah. Uh, relationship really, habits. Yes. Yep. And we see by far more of the wilds, right? Definitely. Traits. We occasionally see somebody sort of schizoidy, um, real hermit or yeah. sort of magical thinking and very odd. Like you're born in the, the wrong world. Wrong world, right? Then there's dependent and avoidant, which are more traits. And then one that we didn't talk a whole lot about was antisocial personality disorder, but this is the wilds, the antisocial, yep. narcissistic, histrionic, borderline. Yeah, and I should say that... Um when I'm doing more drug and alcohol treatment, I end up seeing more of um, antisocial personality. How would you Or like within that? the criminal right. system, um, which here at Direction, we only take kids who want to be part of the program. So I think that helps. Um, I shouldn't say helps, but it um, deters certain populations from seeking help here. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I was going to say, uh, what's... What's your definition of antisocial personality disorder? You put me in the spot with a personality disorder de definition. Um, so he's trying to pay back. Payback. I don't know what this is a symptom of, but um, antisocial personality disorder is a, you ha definitely have to be 18 and older. And it is in, um, rules don't apply to you. Um, there's often lack of remorse, lack of insight. Um, I'm trying to think of the other like clinical symptoms. Um, usually there's a certain amount of run-ins with the law. I think that's actually a formal part of the diagnosis. You have to have a certain amount of, um, yeah, run-ins with the law. And so there's conduct disorder. Usually the progression goes, um, 
ODD, oppositional, ODD, oppositional defiant, defiant disorder. disorder when the kids are little. Right. And that's often overdiagnosed, I think, anyway. Often spunky totally. kids will get that. Yep. But now and again, I think it's on the right path. There's just a sort of like very oppositional. Everything is no in reaction to what you said and very disagreeable to the, to the max. That will often then, if it's a real imbalance, will then transition to conduct disorder which is when people start to, and there's very specific criteria that like you go from diagnosis to diagnosis in, but you, that's when you start to have actual acting out behaviors that are, you're in trouble with the law. And then eventually it manifests and gets officially diagnosed as antisocial personality disorder. Am I missing any of the major? No, I, in listening to that list, it's a little bit like listing Borderline personality disorder, diagnosing by very specific behaviors like cutting, yep. um, suicide gestures. And it's really not about that. It's about the mindset. Right. So for antisocial personality disorder, yeah, you see these things. You see run-ins with the law. But I think it's fundamentally an issue with um, lack mm. of empathy, Yep. which causes disregard for social rules and regulations yes. and um, social principles. Yep. Where you kind of do what you want, take advantage of people, and you end up with those things. But um, that's one of my issues with the DSM is taking specific behaviors like stealing. Right. And saying that that is antisocial. Right. Know, the, the sort of part of the definition. Right. And it's helpful in the sense that it's a behavior that you can kind of measure. But right. I think like once you're in the field, a lot more of diagnosing and seeing what's going on has to do with a gut feeling and right. like really seeing um, what the client really is feeling and thinking and experiencing what's uh, motivating or driving the behaviors. Right. You said early on in the podcast today that a lot of parents will come in and say, well, my son doesn't have any remorse hmm. and they're often worried that they're antisocial or whatever and they might not say that right away but you can kind of get what they're putting down and then i would say very rarely do we see someone with actual antisocial personality disorder traits um usually it's kids who have issues relating with their parents and maybe it's very specifically with them they're not showing remorse or they're distant for some other reason whether it's depression or anger um, right. so the good news is most that's a very rare diagnosis it's yeah. out there. There's evil and okay, maybe that's extreme to say evil, but I think there is in the yeah. world. And I think that the lack of empathy is just so it's a fun, it's a, yeah, you're almost lacking a, an aspect that is central to our humanity. That's right. Um, we should do a whole episode, episode on, on this and we should do an episode on evil. Oh yeah. Because to some degree, well, um, did I tell you about the David Gill rule of assholery? No, I want to hear it though. My father, sorry for putting this spot, Dad. But um, got to get him on. Yeah, his his one of the things he said is there's nobody chooses to be an asshole. So there's stories behind all these folks, right? And so that's why I have a little bit of trouble with equating any social stuff with evil stuff because. Mm -hmm. A lack of empathy. Um, there's something about evil, which is your fault, right? 
It doesn't mean the behavior is not their fault, but uh, to me, it matters how they got there, whether or not. Right. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I believe in evil. I see people do evil things. Yep. And maybe that's what evil is. As a philosophical, I mean, you have Hitler. I don't know. Yeah, I really believe most often hurt people hurt people. Right. That (sighs) when you've been hurt. Yeah. You know, if you're, whether you're hurt through, um, the attachment that you didn't get as a child or hurt through other people's direct behaviors, um, people, when you're hurt, you often hurt other people either from, from learning or out of defense. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with that. I do. I don't exclude evil from being a, a fundamentally real thing. I don't, I, it would be extraordinarily rare, but I think that. It may exist. Are we allowed to do um, a podcast on philosophical issues? We can do anything yeah, we, we want, right? we can do right? anything we want. People won't listen to it if it's... Yeah, they'll vote by listening. That's right. If it sucks, Let's do it anyway. It'll be off. fun. Yeah, we can listen to it. <laughs> Ourselves in Ourselves. our own cars. You can turn it on to the staff meeting. <laughs> Make our employees listen <laughs> right. to it. Our five likes force for the day. It, force it upon our staff. Uh, treating personality disorders. What does that mean? Good luck with this one. Good uh, luck. Now, is there a med for that? We already talked a little bit about yeah, that. And it would have to talk of. specifically about each one, I think. I th- yeah, I think that, yeah, you can treat personality disorder, but it's going to be usually a longer process. Right. Um, and for some people, I would say it might even be lifelong. So. For me, they have to, it has to go from ego syntonic. Yes. To somehow ego dystonic, somebody has to not yep. like it. And the only way it's that like happens anything. is through the external world, from them running into enough problems with relationships or the law, you know, antisocial, yep. or um, that feedback from the world. Feedback from the world that the way they're living isn't working out. And at some point, folks can have enough of that and want to translate change. into insight that maybe. The common denominator is, is them. Yep. Maybe we do an episode on each one eventually and we should dive in. Have you seen that? Have you ever seen demotivation posters? Yeah. Right? I think. They have these super inspirational pictures of like an eagle soaring or something right. like that. Right. This is a whole set of posters, which is a satire of those. So one of them is, um, uh, we're getting... We're getting shut down because of time. That or Angela gave yeah. you the finger. This was the, <laughs> this was, this is the last thing I was going to say. There comes a time when you realize. You aren't the eagle soaring. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, sure the, the, the common denominator in your dysfunctional relationships is you. Mm. Yep. Point. Yep. For every finger you point, there's three coming back at you. <laughs> That's right. All right, folks, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.